trying to talk to you in high school Couldn't even get a look cause you were too cool But now we're older and we're playing by the new rules We lived and learned Cause it's time Hello again everybody and welcome back to Card Advantage I am Clues, one of your faithful hosts And joining me as always is our other faithful host, Rich Rich, how are you tonight? Doing pretty good that is good to hear. Welcome to episode number 101, the new era of Card Advantage, in that we passed episode 100. I guess that makes it a new era? Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. Sure. Yeah, it's a new era. Why not? Uh, we are here in the middle of October in 2015 recording, and we have just had Battle for Zendikar happen. So the the set has dropped, and uh, we had the pre-release and the release, and we've had uh, a couple of events since then. The pro tour for it happens this weekend, so this is when we really see what's going to happen uh, with the format. Because uh, you know, I think everybody holds off till the pro tour before they do what they're going to do. Most do. So we'll see what cards really, really make a splash. But Rich and I have not really had a chance to sit down and talk about this set since it released. So we thought we might do that tonight. We're going to take a look, pick apart some of Battle for Zendikar's uh, themes and mechanics and some of the cards. But before we do, I would like to take a quick glance back over our shoulders at uh, the things we've done, the things we've said in the past. Because we say some crazy things on this show. Uh, Jason Bonnermaster, too. Yeah, for instance, <clears throat> I don't know who said that. That's just insanity. I, that's madness. Why would anyone ever say that? But we did have a couple of shows in the not-too-distant past. We had a show where we looked at uh, Jace, the Planeswalker, as his various incarnations in cards. And we compared uh, kind of what we thought were the best Jaces. And I don't know that we gave Jace Vryn's Prodigy his due. So at the time, we were trying to, among other things, uh, look at power creep as it happens. Uh, I guess power evolution might be a better way to phrase it, I would think. Uh, but we were also trying to kind of, I guess, rank the Jaces. And we didn't quite know what to do with Jace Friend's Prodigy at the time. So he's one of the MTG Origins Planeswalkers. So he's a creature on one side, uh, and then when certain conditions are met, he gets flipped over and turned into uh, a Planeswalker on the other side. And because of that, we didn't really know how to evaluate uh, how well this card was going to do. But i got to say, this card's kind of tearing things up these days. I mean, if you want to look at uh, price as a proxy for how good a card is, which isn't always the best idea, but at least with not modern... Not the worst either, though. Yes, yeah, certainly not the worst, particularly not with modern printings, I mean, because we have a lot of copies of this in circulation. Yeah, it's like crazy expensive. Yeah. Like stupidly so. Because there's a pro, there's an SCG promo, or there's a promo of it, right? Uh, There is, well, there would be a foil stamped promo that came in the uh pre-release kits so if you got the blue box you had a chance to open a jace friends prodigy uh as a stamped stamped promo so i I think that's i think that's the only special version there's the regular version the foil version and then that version i think a friend of mine bought a play set of those yeah 
or lots of lots of money. He spent lots of money. I mean, that's I mean, but now I guess what he paid for four of them is now what one is worth. Uh, that would not surprise me one bit at all. Uh, let's see now. Yes, there was a Origins pre-release foil, and those, good God. Uh, the pre-release foil with the stamp is going for about a hundred bucks right now. Is that what it is? The regular set foil, so not the stamped one, is going for like one thirty. The SDCC all black one is going for like two hundred. Maybe that's what my friend bought. God. I don't know, cause he said he spent like two hundred fifty for a playset, and now each one is worth two hundred fifty. Okay, well maybe he's got the. Uh, That's what he said. I don't know, for, so I don't know how fact that is. Yeah, even a regular non-foil one is going for like upper seventies for just a non-foil. I mean, that's crazy. But this card is, I think, better than we gave it credit for. I mean, the front side is looting, right? So you just get a looter. Yeah. Why not? And that's that's absolutely great for uh, generating card advantage. Uh, but then the back side. Uh, you know, his one of his minus abilities is essentially, uh, you know, pretend you're Snapcaster Mage. So, you know, those, those that's a, that's a potent combo for only two mana, provided he lives. So yeah, I I freely admit that we we underestimated this guy. I mean, but like what 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 I said about him is he is strictly worth everything because of that second ability. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty avid that that's how good that second ability was. But, I mean, it's hard to say what we underjudged or overjudged. You know, one, he, he didn't see a lot of play till Zendikar. Mm-hmm. So we had no knowledge of the Battle of Zendikar, so we couldn't really be using that. So it's not, I wouldn't say that's unnecessary. We've judged it based on what was out. And, I mean, did he really see a lot of play until then? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know that he had decks to slot into until then. But I, you know, our comments at the time, we did say that we didn't really know how to evaluate this guy yet, because we hadn't yet seen the, the creature flip, the transform, excuse me, uh, planeswalkers in, uh, in action. So, right. I'm, I'm gonna say we, we were okay. Yeah, I think we did just fine. We didn't say anything crazy. I think I still rated Architect of Thought above him. Yeah, so I, our not ranking... Having not played with this, Jace, I, st- I can't say that's not accurate still. Yeah, our ranking was uh, Architect of Thought, uh, Memory Adept... I mean, of, of course, Mind Sculptor. Mind Sculptor, then Architect of Thought, Memory Adept, uh, Living Guild Pact, uh, Vryn's Prodigy, and then Jace Bellerin. Okay. Vryn's... It was hard because, again, he was a creature and he was a, a, a weak creature. Yeah, an O2. But that's okay, I suppose. He's uh, tearing it up now. The other thing I'll point out but is I, that I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying. I think it's also. Th- I think it's funny. A lot of people really underrated Architect of Thought, mm-hmm. and then he skyrocketed because everyone because like, he was Architect of Thought. He was great. Uh, oh I just yeah. Think it's funny that it's... Jaces are kind of under underestimated. Yeah, I I think one of the problems may be that since there have been such great cards of Jace made, that when a new one comes out, the the instinct is to compare it to like Mind Sculptor, and it's like, well, no, 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 don't don't do that. Yeah, that card was broken. This card is just really good. Yeah. Uh, so another thing I did preparing for having this conversation tonight is I went back and I listened to uh, not quite all. I didn't have time to get through the whole thing, but our episode where we talked about Zendikar. The original Zendikar block, our Memories of Zendikar episode. 
Okay. Uh, and we were making some predictions of things that we thought we would see in the new battle for Zendikar. And so we predicted landfall. No, no surprise there. Totally have landfall back. Uh, we predicted that there would be new manlands. Totally got that one right. Nailed it. Uh, we predicted that allies would be back. Uh, that's not really all that surprising. It's not like we're prophets. It's just, hey, that was a good mechanic. They totally brought it back. Um, we did say some things about cycles of dual lands, but I think at the time we knew that there was going to be a cycle of dual lands. I think that yeah. uh, uh, Morrow had already mentioned that, so it's not like... Well, and it's not hard to predict that, oh, we're going to have dual lands. Yeah, although I'm just surprised at how many cycles of lands there are in this new set. Uh, man, they just went land crazy in the first but, set. But we kind of knew they would. Yeah, yeah, particularly with landfall being a thing. Uh, we said there would be no totem armor. I totally stand by that. Uh, no totem armor. Now, I did, I did say, I predicted that we would have the fetches in the second set, but based on some comments I've heard, I'm now skeptical. So I don't know that we're gonna see the Zendikar fetches get reprinted, uh, in the Battle for Zendikar set. At least not in any real way. I mean, they kind of did in the expeditions, but that's, okay, let's just call it what it is. The expeditions is just a way to sell lots and lots of packs. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool and kind of interesting, but statistically speaking, you're not getting one. So we're just driving people to open packs and, oh, God, are they expensive? Like, oh, sweet zombie Bob, how much, are they expensive? How much are they? Uh, I don't know. Let's let's pick one. Uh, maybe Scalding Tarn, since that one has always been one of the most expensive of the fetches. Let's go see if I can... Find out how much those are going. So the prices aren't even going down. Holy crap. Uh, the full art expeditions scalding tarn is going for $250 retail right oh, now. Oh yeah, it's cause they're full art. Yeah, they're full art and they're foil and they're pretty impressive, but oh god, that's, wow. Uh, what about, what about the shocks? Um, what's the blue red shock? Is that steam vents? Yeah. Let's well, that's see. never been one of the more expensive lands, though. No, I mean, the shocks, there there were enough of them, and, you know, they're really only... But what's funny is the I, shocks used to be the expensive lands until Return, from, Return to Ravnica. Yeah. Because back then, the fetches were cheap. Uh, okay, so the, the Zendikar Expedition Steam Vents is currently going for about 120 Well, it's because they're all full art. Yeah, they're all full art foil. I mean, of course, full art fools, yeah, they're going to be expensive. That's, I mean, that's just not news. Yeah. But wow, that is, wow. Okay then, so that's, that's some stuff from the past. Let's, let's talk about the present. Let's talk about yeah. Battle for Zendikar itself. Alright. Uh, what do you think, this general opinion of the set? It's fine, um, I guess I don't have the super emotional attachment a lot of people do to Zendikar because I didn't play as young Zendikar. Right. Um, I like the allies are back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the allies are cool. Oh, absolutely. Um, they did Drana again. I love Drana. Yes. Um, I think it's a good Drana. I don't think it's as good as the old Drana, but I think it's hard to beat that. But the way, um, 
the way she is now, she, I think it'll be a great allies deck next set as long as they keep allies so we get more allies. Yeah, we're definitely going to need uh, more allies. Although there's actually a surprising number of allies. I I actually went and uh like yeah, let's just talk about allies for a few minutes. So the the ally mechanic is really just like a super tribal thing, right? But it's very synergistic. Uh, in it's, Battle for yeah. do you know how many allies were printed? What does your gut tell you? Mm, 30. 37 is the correct answer. So there were 37 allies printed. Now, not all of them have special abilities that go with it. So they added a uh, an ability word. It's not really a keyword. It's just a word that unifies a bunch of things called rally. And rally is the one that does the whenever this or another ally enters the battlefield, do a thing. Uh, do you so know it's how- like Metalcraft. Yeah, yeah, it's something like that. Do, it's do you know- met, it's met the same thing that meets the criteria, but what it does is different. Yes, exactly. Uh, do you know how many rally, uh, things there are in Battle for Zendikar? Seven. Fourteen, actually. So it was higher than I thought it was. Uh, but do you know that there are no blue cards that rally? That's interesting. Do you know why that is? Cause blue is not a team player. Clearly. That's what I'm saying. In all fairness, is Black really a team player? Uh, no, not not well, a lot. There, but there, is, still, there, there, still are that, there are team player until you've outlived your usefulness. Well, yeah, that's perfectly fair. So, I mean, I like this Drana because she is an ally, so she's she, I can see where she'll help a lot of allied decks, but she doesn't actually need allies to be good. Right. She just needs you to be aggressive, so I'll get out. Well, hey, since we're talking about allies and we're talking about Drana, why don't we talk? Why don't we actually talk about Drana for a minute? The new Drana, Drana Liberator of Malakir. She is one black black for a legendary creature, vampire ally. She's two three with flying and first strike, which two is not that impressive, but but whenever. Lib- uh, Drana, Liberator of Malakir, deals combat damage to a player, put a plus one, plus one counter on each attacking creature you control. What I love about this is she deals first strike damage. Yes, she does. So you attack, they don't block her for some ungodly reason, or you swing through, first strike damage happens, all your stuff gets bigger, Yep. then it deals damage. Yep, sure does. I, I I love it. I think in a, uh, like one of the like a ally deck that's like really spread out with more of the lower cost ones. Mm-hmm. She's really good. I think she's really good in token decks where the ally doesn't matter, but sure. she just swings in and the tokens just keep getting bigger and bigger. Heck, of it. Uh, there's probably some aggro vampire deck with some Innistrad cards that could be de- halfway decent if you know if you want like an aggressive uh, modern deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like her. I don't like her much as old Drana because old Drana was stupid. Yes, yes, she was. Absolutely. Uh, what do you think of the artwork of the new Drana? I like it a lot. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, her headdress thing is a little, it's a little over the top this time, I think. It is, but I, I know, I like the little hordes of vampires. Mm-hmm. I like the, I don't know, I like the way the, the way she works with the background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like how center point she is, but how vast the behind her is. Like she really looks like she's trying to, you know, She's waging war, and I, I like that. I, I really like the art. It certainly has an epic feel to it. Yes. And I think that's nice. I agree. So, yeah, I, I think the ally theme is pretty good. The, the, the but if change... we're going to talk about allies theme, I think we have to talk about uh, another big part of the allies. Okay. Gideon. 
Ah, well, okay. Before we move on to Gideon, uh, I think the uh, the other wrinkle to the ally theme that they've done here that deserves talking about is it. Most of these uh, the these rally triggers, they do things to your whole squad, or at least to, they don't they don't necessarily care that who they're affecting is an ally specifically. So like here, Drana, she gives the plus one plus one counter on each attacking creature, not each attacking ally, each attacking creature. Right. And so that's kind of a nice little, uh, nice little boost to, uh, the, the ally sort of synergy. Uh, but yeah, Gideon. Boy, we should probably talk well, about Gideon. They didn't give me Gideon Jura. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. But who really thought they would? There was at least one guy, I'm sure. But they did give us Gideon, ally of Zendikar. Indeed. For two white white, you have Gideon Planeswalker with four loyalty counters. His plus one is, which is unique, this is his plus one. Until end of turn, Gideon, ally of Zendikar, becomes a 5-5 human soldier ally creature with indestructible that's still a planeswalker, prevent all damage that we be dealt to him this turn. So he he can't be destroyed by a Doomblade. He's not dying. He's not losing his loyalties from damage. He's just a 5-5, which is kind of funny because I think now this is 100% in the middle between his other two in- inclinations. Mm-hmm. So he can still do damage, and he's still, you know, plus one. He's still a big threat. But I really like this time, the turn you cast him, you're going to get – I think he always lacked is He didn't always really get stuff a lot from him. Yeah, now it, we should note with that plus one, he does not get haste with that. Right. So you can and, do that the first turn, but unless you have a way to give him haste, he's just going to stand there and look awesome. Yeah, it's just a, a lot of Gideons, none of them have haste. Right. But you always be able to use his man-up ability – Right away, but it's never been useful. But, so I don't think Gideon's always had the most come down useful ability besides Gideon Jura, which was everything attacks him because that was great. Is is that actually what we call his ability where he turns into a dude? It's his man up ability. That's what I'm calling it. You like it? Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't think I like that. But okay, I, it, it's it's vivid. It's it's fitting. Man's up. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not a big fan of that phrase, but okay, all right, so. We can make but him the, into, into so, a dude. So, well, saying he has an ability that's actually really worth activating. He has, he does have a zero, like all Gideons do. Put a two-two white knight ally creature token on the battlefield. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. He isn't. He turns himself into an ally. He creates more allies, so things that affect allies just get better. And then his emblem, which is minus four, so you can do this on cast. Mm-hmm. You get an emblem with you get an emblem that says creatures you control get plus one plus one. Now this is pretty cool, actually, design wise. Uh, we don't see a lot of uh, planeswalkers that you can activate all of their any of their abilities the first turn that they're in, but you can the totally do that. The other here. one I can think of is Sarkon the Mad. Mm-hmm. I think that's only the other one. It may be. If it's not, I'm sure we'll get an email or a tweet with someone who's um, upset. Uh, the thing like this, this is like, costs one more than Spear of Heliod, mm-hmm. costs two more than Honor of the Pure, but Honor of the Pure only affected white creatures. Mm-hmm. Spear of Heliod could be targeted and destroyed. This is just, like, if you just need that last umph, four mana, minus four, all my stuff is bigger. Yeah. Like, that's almost worth it, and it, like, this take away everything else, that's almost worth it, like, 
you play this card, you get an emblem of everything's big and that can't go away. And I honestly think that's, that's part of the reason or part of the mode that he's being used in, in decks right now. If you look at the, the decks that he's in, they tend to have a lot of creatures and even if you're gonna, not gonna make a dude out of him, just getting that permanent buff all my stuff for four mana seems pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think so. I mean, like, cause there, yeah. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. I, I really I do. definitely think he's the second best Gideon. I think that's probably fair. I think he's better than champion, was it champion of justice? Uh, champion of something sounds right. I want to say justice. But he's better than the return, than the gate crash one. I still don't think, I still think Gideon Juria is one of the best planeswalkers they've ever created, so. He's uh, definitely it, the best it is in fact Champion of Justice, you're correct. Okay. Let's go, I know I'm a Gideon. Yeah, and there's also Gideon Battleforged, which was the backside of, uh, Kideon. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, so don't forget about him. But I mean, he was on the front side, uh, you know, uh, Kideon. Was fine. Yeah. Kideon was fine. Uh, so, hey, while we're on Planeswalkers, since we've segued from allies into Planeswalkers, and I'll I'll be clear, I love the ally mechanic, and I love that it's back. And, I'm you know, glad it's back, too. I'm, like, I'm excited to see if there's more allies coming out to really make really cool ally decks, especially with the ally land. I think we should at least touch the ally oh, land. Oh, yeah, okay, so let's let's touch on the ally land before we come back to, uh, to Planeswalkers. Uh, the ally land is not seeing a lot of play, and I'm just not sure... Not sure if it will, but Ally Encampment, it's a rare land. Uh, it doesn't come into the battlefield tapped, just play it. Uh, it has the following abilities. Tap, add one colorless to your mana pool. So at least it gives you mana if nothing else. Tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Spend this mana only to cast an ally spell. So it is superb fixing in an ally deck. One and a tap and sacrifice Ally Encampment... Return target ally you control to its owner's hand. So it can bring an ally back so you can replay it and get an ally trigger again. It can save an ally because it's, this can... it's It saves one that doesn't return from the graveyard. Or can it return from the graveyard? Uh, no. No, no, no. It, it, it only returns. But if you've got one on the battlefield, you can yeah. bounce to your hand and then you could replay it to, yeah. to, to get the ally trigger again is what I'm saying. Uh, but you know, it's, it's an interesting ability. Again, we're not really seeing it in decks yet, but, uh, the mana bases are really weird right now because we still have parts of, uh, uh, that set that we were just in. You remember the one? Uh, Tarkir? Tarkir. We, we still have, uh, some, some Tarkir stuff left over. Well, uh, that and I think, I, like, I know there's 37 allies, but there's not, Tons that kind of weren't the deck yet, right? And there, I don't think there's like even if they're in the, the from what I've seen, they're still kind of like laid out to where you're not concerned about going all five colors. And I think once we see a little bit more allies, where it's like worth broadening to all five colors, I think this land comes into play a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna see it more next, maybe even next set. Sure. Like, like after our cure's gone, and we get whatever is next. Mm-hmm. The return to Kamigawa that we're going to have in... Yep. In a while. We're going to have ninja allies. And ninja allies. You heard it ninja. here first, folks. Ninja allies. Ninja allies. Now, before we move on to Planeswalkers... Because let's not lie. You want a ninja as your ally. Oh, yeah. Well, you definitely don't want them as your enemy. They're a ninja. I mean, come on. 
Uh, I do want to say a quick shout out to my buddy Fletch, because I know he has strong feelings about ability words. Uh, I actually like this one. And it, it took me a while to, to come to grips with that, because I'm overall... You're talking about Rally? Yeah, Rally. Uh, I'm overall not a big fan of ability words either. Uh, either either make it a keyword that actually does something, or you just don't bother talking about it, because we kind of all know what it does. Uh, we, we don't need an extra superfluous word tacked on just for funsies. But in this case, because of how the rally mechanic works, and because there's enough of them that are seeing play... You know, and I noticed this when I was at the pre-release. Somebody had played one of one of them, and I forget which one it was. And it's like, oh, it's the rally guy who does blah. Okay, now I'm I'm immediately on board. I get what he does. Uh, so this one this one works for me. I'm still unconvinced that we need all of the ability words we've gotten in the past, but this one works for me, and I I'm kind of conflicted on that. But anyway, other planeswalkers. We do have Obnixilus reignited. I think we should probably talk about him. It's an awesome card. Uh, Obnixilus, of course, uh, old favorite flavor-wise, uh, was a planeswalker, got imprisoned on Zendikar by Nahiri, uh, who basically uh, took a little hedron and like shoved it in his forehead, I think. Uh, but he was trapped and did not have his spark, and now he apparently has it back, because we have uh, three black-black for a planeswalker Nixilus. He has five loyalty when he starts. For plus one, you draw a card and you lose one life. Worth it every time. Pretty much. Unless you're at one life, this is probably worth it. Minus three, destroy target creature. So you can do that immediately. Is that thing a problem? Obnixless has your back. Minus eight, target opponent gets an emblem with... Whenever a player draws a card, you lose two life. Wow. That is, that's just painful. Love this guy. Yeah, I think he's really good. I don't think he's found a home yet in any decks that I've seen. uh, Black control decks. Any control deck that wants to run black, I think this is a great card. Yes. I'm inclined to agree with you. Uh, now. Commander. Oh my god. Oh, Commander, totally. Uh, it may get crowded out right now by other better cards in a black or a blue-black strategy, and that may be why it's not yet seeing much play, but I think he's got a home somewhere. What I've noticed, and this is a, lo- this is a lot of sets in general, or in the beginning, is some of the stuff is really meant for the full set, and it's some of it's really meant for the next set. Mm-hmm. Like the next standard, not this standard. It's like when Tarkir's gone, that standard. Yeah. That's what some stuff I see is more meant for. And I'm seeing that more and more in sets, but I've really noticed it in Battle for Zendikar. And I think because it's the first two-block set, like this is the first new uh, standard two, kind two, of. Yeah, okay. Two-step block, you know what I mean? Two-block set. So this is like the first of the new and I'm starting to notice they're really looking more, f- really towards the future for some things. Hmm. So I really like see like stuff like Obnixilis and allies like really being big eventually. Yeah, they're not they're not there yet, but they will come into their own soon. Yeah, and this I mean, this card is just great. It's just a great card, I think. Yeah, I think the artwork's also just incredibly good. Yeah, I mean it's oh. it's it's a demon. Boys I really think demon. they really kind of are, took a fondness to this character uh, kind of out of nowhere. Like he was a decent. A legendary creature from Zendikar. Mm-hmm. Then they gave him a corset card, which was good. Then they made him a commander planeswalker that could be the commander. Mm-hmm. 
now they're making it into one that's in standard. Like I don't know, it's kind of like they took this character kind of out of nowhere and like really are pushing him. Yeah, I do like that they're diversifying the Planeswalker bullpen. I mean, one of the things that we complained about when we did the show about Jace is for a long time they were following essentially the same set of Planeswalkers every single time. And it kind of got old. Uh, So it's nice. They gave us a demon Planeswalker, too. Yeah. For, you know, all you demon tribal decks. He was human at one point, but he's, he's clearly not anymore. Oh, clearly not. Yeah. So, oh, I like Abnixilis. All right, we have at least one more planeswalker who deserves some discussion, and I, yeah, I think it's just the we, three, right? In this, yep, it is the three. And we, so, well, I why think don't we you... called her? We called it. I I was more thinking we would see her in the second set instead of the first, but I still think we called her. Right. And that's Kiora, Master of the Depths, for two green blue. We have Kiora planeswalker with four loyalty, which I think is nope. Was that the was the first one? Was the first one two or three? Uh, I think she was three, but you you keep talking about this one. I'll go look it up. Yeah, because there's a small amount, but now she um has a plus one of untap up to one target creature and up to one target land. So one that's generating it's essentially generating mana because you tap the land activate ability tap then you know you, so you're floating one mana and you can untap a creature card which could be like Llanowar Elves or Elvish Mystic now. So technically you can start floating two two additional mana. So I like that. Um, it's, it's very green mostly, um, but her her blue's coming up, and that's uh, minus two. Reveal the top four cards of your library. You may put a creature card and or a land card from among them into your hand. Put the rest into your graveyard. So it's not like just oh put one or the other. You get a creature card and land. Put them both in. So that's nice. Um, her minus eight, because her ults are always huge, because they're so good, and this one does not disappoint. You get an emblem whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may have it fight target creature. Then, put three eight-eight blue oct- octopus creature tokens onto the battlefield. Yeah, that is rough. Absolutely. It's not, it's, it's not a board wipe, but it's really close to a board wipe. Mm. I mean, it's taking care of three things that are not many things can live up to eight eights. No, no, they cannot. And um, it could kill. Um, like this alt could kill Emrakul. Uh yes, yes, it could. You'll lose one of your octopus to do it, but uh, you'll lose two of them, right? One. Emrakul is a fifteen, fifteen. Yeah, but he's gonna when they fight, he's gonna deal fifteen yeah, he damage did, right, he to the one. Yeah, right. You lose two. I was thinking he had to deal 16 damage, but he he actually deals 30. Yeah, her uh, previous incarnation was uh, Kiora the Crashing Wave, and she did come in with two loyalty counters. You were you were right; it was two. I thought because I remember she came in with a really small amount. Yeah. So I like that this one has four. I like what this one does. I like the first one better. Mm-hmm. But I still like this one a lot. I like this one because you can play it, and you don't have to initially plus it and, hope, and just pray it survives. Right. Um, and I really like it's minus two because I like the and or land card because you can be getting two cards. Mm-hmm. That is nice. A lot, a lot of those abilities generally give you one, and I like that this one can give you two and give you like so it's not like you know do I find do I, do I get the creature do I get the land what do I need take both. Yeah, why not? So I like that. I like I really like the hand refill and the the filtering you get to do. Uh, I don't. Know, I like that. I, I like this card a lot. I still think. I like this minus two better than the crashing waves minus two. 
mm-hmm. but I like everything else about the Crashing Wave better. And I like the artwork on this. I like that. I like the little like storyline touch that she's she's carrying uh, Thassa's Bident. I love this. that. I love that. I, I love when they have flavor nods like that because she, of course, uh, stole uh, Thassa's Bident and uh, brought it back to Zendikar. There's actually a short story on the mothership uh, where she's back with the Bident, uh, which was pretty good. I think that was about two weeks ago or so that that came out. I think they really did a good job with the with the planeswalkers in this one. Yeah, yeah, they're all interesting and diverse, and uh, I think they're all playable. Um, uh, I don't know that Kiora or Obnixilis have found their decks yet, but uh, Gideon slotted into anything that had creatures and white. So <laughs> that seemed good. And allies, because, I mean, those rally abilities, Gideon gets to put those up for free. Yeah, yeah, here we need a rally. Here's a dude. He'll take care of that. I mean, like, uh, there, well, there's a random one that I'm trying to um, rally um, stuff. Your allies get menace. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that, to me. That's for a red, a red, white aggro ally deck. That'd be huge. Yeah. Because men, menace is an ability where you, a creature can only be blocked by two or more creatures. Mm-hmm. So if they only have one, you have two creatures, and I have three guys. You can only block one thing. And if Gideon's already making stuff bigger and things like that, I don't. I just I like it. I think the I I really like that free ally ability. Yeah. Uh, before we go to another like uh, theme. That's going on. I want to mention one card specifically, not related to this is a total tangent, but it's a card that as I was preparing for the show tonight, I saw it and I'm like, huh, yeah, that guy's pretty good. And that's Zulaport Cutthroat. Have you looked at this guy? He's an ally. Uh, he is a human rogue ally, in fact. He costs one and a black for a one one. Whenever Zulaport Cutthroat or another creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Does that ability sound familiar? Yeah. Because uh, do, do you remember uh, Blood Artist? Yep. And you remember how there were entire decks that were based around uh, Blood Artist? Now, think, the, the only difference here is yeah. Blood Artist was any creature, not just your creature. That's a, I think that's a huge difference, though. It is, but we've got a set that's going to, as we'll discuss in a minute, create all these Eldrazi tokens. You can sacrifice those to your heart con- heart's content, and it's in black, which black has lots of ways to sacrifice things, and it's perfectly happy to uh, kill its own stuff. I mean, look at things like uh, Vampiric Rites. Okay, that's an enchantment that's in this set. Costs one black, one in a black, sack a creature, you gain one life and draw a card. So now I'm going to gain two life because I've got my Zulaport Cutthroat in play, and you're going to lose one life, and I'm going to draw a card. Also note that Zulaport Cutthroat says each opponent loses one life. Blood that Artist is, was target opponent. That is true. So I I keep your eyes on this guy. I think he's got a home somewhere too. It may only be in some commander deck. Uh, it may be oh, commander, in some. Commander, he's huge. He's great in commander. Yeah, it great. may be in some janky combo deck. I don't know, but I think he's interesting. Great commander. Looking at this on the gather, did you see there's a legendary goblin? Uh, I did. Yes, absolutely. Big fan. I, I would I would think so. that's a that's a great card. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, while while we're there, you you want to talk about it? Sure, it's Zada, the Hedron Grinder. Yeah. Three in a red, you have a legendary creature goblin ally. He's a three three. 
Whenever you cast a instant or sorcery spell that targets only Zada, Hedron Grinder, copy that spell for each other creature you control that the spell could target. Each copy targets a different one of those creatures. So essentially, I'm going to play Titanic Growth on this guy, and I have ten tokens. All ten tokens get Titanic Growth. That that would be sick. That's accurate, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's disgusting. Yeah, isn't it though? Like I said, the aggressive red white red white with um, Gideon. You have that guy. You have Gideon. You have your little token. You swing in and you target this guy, and Gideon becomes a nine. You know, an eleven eleven with Titanic with you know th- or what was the one that gets first strike? The uh, black. Uh, I can't. It was lightning something. It was uh, like plus one and plus yes. one plus zero oh and first strike. Things like that. That's. That's just huge to give to your to everything. Yeah, as soon as this creature's out there, you've just got to be worried that combat tricks are just going to get totally out of control. Out of uh, this bananas is awesome. Yeah, speaking of which, uh, before we start to get letters, uh, I think Zada is female, not male. And I only say that because Zada's in the story that was on the mothership today, and I believe Zada is referred to as she. Okay, that that could be. It's just the it's names. really. I mean, it's a goblin. The names, it's really hard the name's to tell. Slightly feminine, but yeah. I, the, I cannot tell by the image at all. Yeah, but I I think creative means for Zada to be a she. So fair enough, she. Uh, there you go. But I I like Zada a lot. I mean, I like goblins, of course, and uh, I like allies, of course. And I this ability is just bonkers. So yeah, big it's big. A, I mean, it's a rare, but I mean that's still a really good. That's it almost feels like a very kind of mythicy ability. Yeah. The question is. Do I make this a one-of in Legacy Goblins? I don't think so. I think it's too much. Yeah, I think so, because I'd, I'd have to change things around, because I don't it's have too- combat tricks in Legacy Goblins. You just overwhelm by sheer number of goblins. If she cost three, I could, and like was a th- three for a two-two, mm-hmm. I could see that, but being four for a three-three in Legacy Goblins, I feel it costs too much. Yeah, I think so too. Now my, my Goblins EDH deck, that's different. This totally. Absolutely goes. that goes in there. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Absolutely. So yeah, big fan of Zada myself. Uh, okay, so there are a couple of themes we should discuss uh, before the show gets away from us. Uh, one is converge. So there's what is I'm trying to what is converge because I see a lot yeah, of so, things that say just converge. Yeah, converge is another one of those things that this is a word that unifies uh, several cards that you know kind of do sort of the same thing. So they all care about the numbers of color of mana to cast it. So for instance, since we're in red, we just happen to be here. How about radiant flames? Costs two and a red, has converge, radiant flame deals X damage to each creature, where X is the number of colors of mana spent to cast radiant flames. So converge is telling you that this spell cares about the number of colors spent. It's kind of like, uh. Is that all it's doing? Cause it seems kind of worthless. Yeah, that's all it's doing. Is it's, it's always caring about the colors of mana you use. Because, um. And so if I cast this for uh, three red, you know, red, 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 I'm dealing one damage. If I cast it for uh, a green and two red, I'm dealing two damage. If I cast it for a green, a black, and a red, I'm dealing three damage. Because there was, there was a blue spell I'm trying to find that just says converge, and then it takes control of the creature based on how much mana. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I know the one. Oh, God, what is it called? Something insight. Inf- um uh, exert influence. There it is. Uh, four and a blue with converge. Gain control of target creature if its power is less than or equal to the number of colors of mana spent to cast exert influence. 
So at most, it can steal a 5-5. It steals it permanently, but you'd have to be running a five-color deck to make this happen. I just... I don't understand why Converge is there. Yeah, it's... It's an interesting mechanic, but I'm inclined to agree with you. I don't know where it fits thematically with this set. Unless there's things coming out in the next set that say the deal with Converge, like something that has Converge. Ooh, ooh, here we go. Sixth color of mana introduced in next set because of Converge. Don't think that's going to happen. No, I don't but, think But, I mean, happen. it's kind of like uh, that Sphinx that gave special kinds of counters. That everyone thought was going to mean something later, but it really didn't. So the counter meant nothing. <laughs> uh, this is this is another contraption problem. But contraption was a joke because of time spiral. Yeah, but I loved contraption, and I can't wait for them to actually happen someday. So it just converge just seems odd that they're not they're it's like they came up with a keyword but didn't know what else to do with it. Yeah, well, we had uh God, what was it called? I mean, we've had like sunburst in the past that cared about colors of mana. And I think there was one other mechanic and its name is escaping me right now that also cared about the colors that you spent to do it. So this is, you know, it's just an evolution of that sort of a theme. Uh, I guess, but like, I don't know. Sunburst just made more sense than this does. Mm -hmm. Cause Sunburst was on creatures and I guess I get stuff that's on creatures, but like when it's just an instant or sorcery, it should just say converge this. I just, that doesn't make sense to me. I guess, I guess maybe exert influence is what really gets me. Yeah. Uh, how about, since we're talking about weird things, uh, what if we talk about, uh, Devoid? I don't know if you have any feelings about Devoid. I don't, I, I get it, but I don't get it at the same time. Like, <laughs> I, I think my thoughts behind Devoid is, they like, okay, we want all these Eldrazi. Last time we made them all these colors and like people were in, you know, there's five color stuff. But essentially, like all the big Eldrazi are colorless. That's Eldrazi's thing. Yeah. Oh, um, but all his dust gets rid of all colored permanents. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, well, what, let's make them all colorless. But we can't because that just opens the, the, the pie open. Right. So they're like, oh, well, let's just make them cost colors, but tell them they're not colorless. We can't do that. Sure, devoid. Yeah, yeah we can. We're totally R&D. We can do whatever the hell we want. Uh, but no, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's how it went. That You know, Eldrazi's whole thing is that they are colorless. But if you make them all colorless, it severely limits the kinds of things you can make them do without just destroying the color pie. And I think they, they may, knock on wood, they may have learned their lesson about destroying the color pie with Phyrexian mana, uh, and I don't think they want to do that again. So if you're going to diversify what the Eldrazi are capable of, you have to start dabbling into other areas of color. But if you're going to do that, if you've got anything that cares about things being colorless, and the Eldrazi do, you've got to find a way to make those things colorless. Um, now, we've seen things that were colored mana but colorless before. So, like, uh, oh, God, what is that spell called? It was... Uh, it was a colorless fire spell that was I- it Ghost Flame? Ghost Flame, yeah. So we've seen things like that before, so it's not like this came out of nowhere. Uh, but at the same time, there's quite a bit of it in this set. So- A lot. There's like, like just, like sections of colored creatures are devoid. I think it's actually Ghost Fire? 
could be Ghostfire. Yeah, I'm trying to find. But at least what I do like about the Devoid is they gave him a different like back. Like you can look at the card and without reading Devoid, know what it is. Uh huh. Kind of like how Constellation had its unique bordering. Yes. They gave the scene of the Devoid, and I like that. Yeah, that is kind of cool. And yes, it is Ghost Ghost Fire, which was originally in Future Sight. Hey, but nod right here towards Devoid. And clearly it's because it's devoid of color. That is why the name is the way it is. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I do think they're interesting. Uh, I don't, I don't object to them necessarily. Uh, I like it because they cost a color. The things they do are relatively within that color pie. It's just, you can't just get a, you can't just get away with playing anything and anything you want from colorless. Yeah. So that I like. Uh, there are a couple of cycles we should, uh, probably mention. I think maybe the retreats might be worth talking about. Maybe. You're a cycle. Uh, yeah, cause they're, I am a cycle. I am totally a cycle. Uh, cause they have, uh, you know, they're, they like to have, uh, themes and they like to have, uh, groups of things. And if we don't see all of them, it usually upsets the crap out of us. Uh, it's just one of those things. Uh, so in incomplete cycles drive players nuts, and they know that. Uh, so I, I I believe we'll actually run into a slightly incomplete cycle a little bit later in this show. Uh, but uh, let me let me pull up all of the retreats here so that I can find them all in one place. Uh, I got them. Okay. Nope, they don't all cost the same amount. Uh, no, they don't. One costs just a bit more. Just a touch. So yeah, there are five retreats, one for each color. So retreat to Coral Helm, retreat to Amiria, Amiria retreat to Hagra, retreat to Kazandu, and retreat to Valakut. And they all do a thing. They're all enchantments. They cost uh, between three and four mana. Uh, just one of the colors. So like uh, retreat to Coral Helm is two and a blue. Retreat to Amiria though is the three and a white. And they all have landfall. Now we have mentioned that landfall is in the set and it is back and we love it. Uh, and each of the landfalls, they, they have two things that they could do and you get to pick one. And so that's kind of cool. So they're not quite a one trick pony. They're a two trick pony. They do nothing on their own. And so that's kind of meh. But in a set like this, you're gonna have landfall. It's, it, it lands are all over the place. So that's probably fine. Uh, so hey, I'll just talk about Retreat to Amiria since it's the expensive one, and we'll see if we can figure out why it's expensive. Oh, I think I figured it out. Yeah, <laughs> you think so? Think so? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, three and a white for an enchantment called Retreat to Amiria. It has landfall. When a land enters the battlefield, choose one. Put a 1-1 one, one white core ally creature token onto the battlefield, or creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Figured it out yet? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it's got a lot of synergies here. I don't think they wanted to make free a- free allies too cheap. Yeah, yeah, that one's kind of good because you, you know what that that sticks around. I mean, unless it's killed, but yeah, and especially with something like you know evolving wilds and fetch lands and things like that. Yeah, and there are a couple of just cards in this set that go find lands because you know landfall's a thing. So yeah, that one's kind of good. Kind of good. Right. Retreat to Coral Helm, which is two and a blue. Landfall, you, cho- you choose two, one. You may tap or untap target creature. Otherwise, you can scry one. And what I find interesting about this is scry. Yes? They used that way back in, um, why can't I think of it? 
Yeah, well, it was in uh, Theros, Theros block. Theros, thank you. Yeah. Um, and this is the only instance of Scry in the whole block. Uh, is so it? Far. I, I, I so. thought that I thought there was at least one more. Scry is now an evergreen keyword. They have announced that. Yes. Oh, okay. So that clears that up. Then. Yeah, I can't remember if they announced that with uh, uh, MTG Origins or with this set. I think it was with Origins though that they quietly announced, "Hey, Scry, Scry is now evergreen because it's just that good." Okay. So that it shouldn't bother you that it that it does that. Just Blue's gonna Scry. It, you know, Scryer's gonna Scry. I think is what that comes down to. Uh, I don't think we'll go through all of the retreats, but they all do things that are very much in their color pie, like uh, the black one, uh, a target creature gets plus one, plus oh, and gains death touch, or each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So, I mean, these are all very, very color-appropriate things. I like these a lot. They're cool. I think they're great for limited. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, absolutely. Um, I and guess, I will say, based on my experience at the pre-release, this is a really nice limited environment. Um, I guess another cycle is there's all uh, there's a rare set of creatures that all get landfall, that are all well, almost all fly. <laughs> almost all flying. The, the Hydra is not a flyer. Yeah, funny that. But if you give a Hydra wings, it will probably rel- kill you. They're all relatively expensive too. Yeah. The Ameria Shepherd. It's cost seven. That card is amazeballs. For a 4-4 flyer, it doesn't sound that appealing, but let's read Amaria Shepherd. It has landfall like all these creatures do. Seems good. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may return target non-land permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. I'm going to stop you right there. That card sounds awesome. Sign me up. We're not done. What? There's more? If that land is a plains, you may return that non-land permanent card to the battlefield instead. Holy crap. Yeah, that card's amazeballs. I absolutely love it. You may return target non-land permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. If that land is a plains. Yeah, so the land that gave you landfall. Not the, not the thing that you're returning from the graveyard, because you can't return a land from the graveyard. Oh. Yeah, the first time I read it, I did exactly this. You, you look at the words and you tilt your head and you're like, that's really awkward. I don't understand. Oh, that, yeah. That's awkward wording. It is, but from a templating standpoint, I don't know that there's any other way they could have done it. That's, that's stupid good. Yeah, that card, that card's amazeballs. Uh, the, the others aren't, aren't nearly as good, but I mean, that one is just a standout, just absolute. That's so they all, a, it's all landfall and it matters whether it's the basic land type of their color? Yeah, so for instance, I'll just mention the green one since I happen to be looking at it right now. Uh, the Orin Reef Hydra, four green green for a five five Hydra with trample. Landfall, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Not the land, on the Hydra. If that land is a forest, put two plus one plus one counters on it instead. So, uh, you know, they, they all care about the basic land. And so that's pretty cool. Speaking of basic lands though, we, as, as a, as a, as a show, need to chime in on like the most important debate ever. There is in fact a cycle of, well there are several cycles of lands, but there is a cycle of, of dual colored lands in this set that have the basic land type. So for instance, uh, oh, sim- my, I did not realize that. Yes, they do. 
Uh, Cinderglade, that's the red-green one, is a land mountain forest. So anything that lets you fetch a mountain or a forest, and as long as it doesn't say non-basic, or basic mountain or forest. But, you know, things like the fetch lands can get these. It's a land mountain forest. It enters the battlefield tapped unless you control two or more basic lands, and it taps so like, for red or green. So it's like the reverse of the Mirrodin lands. Yes, it's it's the reverse of what what did we call those? The fast lands? Uh, I I forget what they were called. But the question is, what should these be called? What should their nickname be called? And some people have said battle lands, and I disagree. So I, I get where they're coming from because it's battle for Zendikar. But battle lands, if, if you just went in a vacuum and went up to a magic player and said, hey, they're introducing new lands in the next set, they're called the battle lands, you would assume that they do something involving damage. Mm-hmm. And these just don't. The best nickname that I've heard, and the one that I favor, is the Tango Lands, because it takes two to tango. Mm, okay, I guess that one's fine. I don't know, I haven't given it much thought. I, I didn't realize, I guess I didn't read them close enough that I didn't realize that they had the basic land types. Yeah, these are, these are very interesting. And, and these are what, uh, Morrow was talking about when he said that they had uh, a new cycle of non-basic dual colored lands that was a completely new design. And these, these are them. And there's, uh, uh, there are what, five of them in this set? There's, it's, it's the buddy ones in this set. Allies, yeah. Yeah, the allied ones. So yeah, I, I like those a lot. I, I prefer the Tango Lands as a name, but you know, I'm, I'm still open. It's still in flux. You know, we, we haven't as a community decided quite yet. Uh, but there are at least two other cycles of, now three other cycles of land we should mention at least, uh, fairly quickly. There are, uh, there's a land in each color that does something when it enters and it enters tapped. And we've seen these sorts of cycles of lands before, uh, but I believe all five of them are new in this set. So like Looming Spires, uh, it's the red one. Uh, it enters the battlefield tapped. When it enters the battlefield, target creature gets plus one, plus one, and gains first strike until end of turn. And so I think each of the colors got one of those uh, that does something related to their color that's in here. Uh, like Fertile Thicket. Yeah, Fertile Thicket is an interesting one. Uh, I actually had a couple of these in my pre-release pool, and... At first I played two of them, and then I'm like, no, two's, two's actually too much. Uh, Fertile Thicket's the green one, so you know Rich is not playing it. Enters the battlefield tapped. When it enters the battlefield, you may look at the top five cards of your library. If you do, reveal up to one basic land card from among them, then put that card on top of your library and the rest on the bottom in any order. And it, of course, taps for a green mana. Uh, this was interesting in limited. It was kind of nice. You're kind of in, insuring yourself against getting lands, but I found that like half the time I used it, I found my bomb in the top five cards and had to shove it on the bottom. So I was not a huge fan uh-huh. of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's what I get for playing green, right? Uh, so yeah, those are, that, that's, that's another set of lands. Uh, I don't know that they have a name. I call them the do stuff lands because they do stuff. Uh, but they come in tapped. That is true. They do stuff. They do stuff. Uh, then we have the blighted lands, which will hit real fast. Uh, and there is a, again one for each color. They themselves don't produce colored mana. So we have uh, Blighted Cataract, uh, Blighted Fen, Blighted Gorge, Blighted Step, and Blighted Woodland. Uh, and 
while they, they each, they don't enter the battlefield tapped, they all just come in normally, they tap to add a colorless to your mana pool, but each of them has an activated ability that is some amount of mana, including a color, tap and sacrifice it, and it does something. So like Blighted Cataract, uh, it is five and a blue, tap, sacrifice Blighted Cataract, draw two cards. Uh, the black one is four and a black, tap it, sack it, target opponent sac- sacrifices a creature. The Blighted Gorge is four and a red, tap, sack it, Blighted Gorge deals two damage to target creature or player. Blighted Step, three and a white, tap, sack it, you gain two life for each creature you control. That one might be kind of good. Uh, Blighted Woodland, uh, three and a tap, sack it, search your library for up to two basic land cards and put them onto the battlefield tapped. Then shuffle your library. I think Blighted Woodland is really good. I think Blighted Step is really good. The rest of them are okay. Yeah. That's my personal feeling. So, you know, those those are just okay. But the one that I really wanted to get your input on is a cycle that they haven't yet completed. I think we've seen, what, three of them? The Manlands? The new Manlands, and we predicted this. Isn't there just two? Is it just two? I know there's Lumbering Falls, which is the blue-green one, and I think there's the black-white one? Yeah, I think that's it. It may it may just be the two in this, and then we're going to get the, the others in a future set. Let me see if I can find where the others are. Nope, nope. It's... There- it's just the two. It's just the two. Okay. So then let's let's talk about these two and see how they stack up to, you know, some previous ones. Well, the Shambling Vent enters the battlefield tap, taps for white or black. One white and a black Shambling Vent becomes a 2-3 white and black elemental creature token with lifelink until end of turn. It's still a land. Okay. How do, how do we feel about this guy? Meh. Just meh? It's a 2-3 with lifelink. Yeah. Don't like plus three mana to activate. Think, it's it's not bad. It's not bad. I just think when you're comparing it to the ones from Zendikar, they set the bar high. They kind of did set. The, well, at least with a couple of the ones from Zendikar, not all of them were were home runs, but it, they had a couple. Uh, okay, then what about Lumbering Falls? I guess I don't get the. It's it's a it's the blue green one. It costs two two blue green becomes a three three blue green elemental creature with hexproof until end of turn. They yeah. just they just seem to slap hexproof on any all this blue green stuff because I get those are the two colors that generally have hexproof, yeah, which they need to stop doing, by the way. And it just feels it's like the keystone with the keystones. Oh the yeah, the, the key return around Yeah, it's the same thing. It's this. The, it's this. It's a three three with hexproof. That that one wasn't impressive, and I really don't want to play four for every turn for that. Right. It's just, I mean, what is it? You're a block of 2-2 and you're not going to take a, a surprise shock? I, I, don't, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's no Celestial Colonnade and it's no Creeping Tarpet. But. Or Raging Ravine. You know, you're right. The, the bar was set very, very high. I mean, those three lands itself set the bar so high for man lands across the board. Yeah. That these just really don't add up. It's really tough for them to, uh, to really, yeah, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. They're not, they're not as impressive as I hoped. They're they'd be. fine. Um, uh, I totally like. Uh, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't run them. Like, there would be these two lands. I would need a very specific reason to run. Mm-hmm. 
Like, they just don't seem like to add that much value of good stuff. Because they're a dual land that enters tap to me that's just not as worth it. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I have a hard time making the, the call on these. Yeah. Uh, there, there are some things that we didn't discuss. Uh, you know, we didn't talk about, uh, Awaken. Uh, which, you know, there, there are some spells that if you play them late game, you can pay extra to turn some lands into, into living creatures, which is kind of cool. It's, uh, yeah, Awaken's fine. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of like Awaken. It's, it's that little extra value add. It's usually not important. Usually the spell that has Awaken is just fine if you don't play it without Awaken. Which I think is what makes it a good mechanic though. Yeah, it, it's got some flexibility. It just, it just makes an already good spell more interesting. Uh, but one last thing I want to mention before we wrap this up. Uh, I want to mention that I, I noticed, and I, I'd never noticed this before, there is a cycle in Magic's history of invokers. And they're always something invoker, and they always have an activated ability that costs eight mana. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I never knew that, because I, I, I ran into, as I was looking at this, I saw, uh, is it, uh, yeah, Orin Reef Invoker from this set, which is, uh, one and a green for a 2-2 human shaman, and it has the activated ability of 8, colon, Orin Reef Invoker gets plus 5, plus 5, and gains trample until end of turn. And I thought, huh, a green invoker. I feel like there was already a green invoker back in Rise of the Eldrazi, and I went and I, I just looked for invokers in uh, there's Gatherer. A, there's a red invoker in this set. There's also, I was going to say, there's also a red invoker in this set, uh, but there was a green invoker back in Rise of the Eldrazi, which was Wildheart Invoker, uh, which also did the plus five, plus five in game trample until end of turn for eight mana, but it was a four, three, and costs two green, green. But then I'm like, wait a minute, there are a bunch of invokers, and yeah, there have been several invokers over the history of, uh, of magic, uh, going back as far as legions? Is that the oldest one that's in here? Yeah, I think legions might be the oldest, uh, of them, but they're all, have an activated ability that costs eight. Sometimes the activated ability costs colored mana, so it's like a seven and a white, but it always adds up to eight. Uh, and so I did not, I was totally unaware that there was this cycle of invokers. Uh, so watch for them getting peppered throughout sets here and there. Uh, I thought that was cool. I just realized they print, you printed bone splinters in this set. That's really good with all the Eldrazi tokens. Wait, they did? Yeah. How did I miss that? Huh. For those of you that don't know, Bone Splinters is a sorcery that costs one black, and as an additional cost to cast, you sacrifice a creature, and it's destroy target creature. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. When you got a bunch of, you know, little Eldrazi tokens, that one mana looks pretty good to get rid of whatever you want. Oh, hey, speaking of Eldrazi tokens, we didn't really talk about them either, but I think back in our Memories of Zendikar episode, we predicted that they'd bring them back, but they might make them bigger and into one ones. I may be imagining that. Maybe we didn't predict we, that. I think, I think we mentioned that they would bring them back. We think they would be like this liver is like a little bit bigger. We didn't know exactly how big they would be, but we figured that we would see something like them. Yeah. So it's an, I, I like what they did with them. I really do. Uh, making them into one ones instead of oh ones, I think is, is better. Yeah. Because 01s, I just always felt like I just made a speed bump that I'm just going to throw under a thing. But now that they're 11s, it's like, well, you know, that that actually I could make enough of those that I could win the game because I can hit you with them. There you go. 
And another thing that we didn't really talk about, but I, man, I, I kind of think we should probably wrap this up, uh, for the evening. Uh, so we'll probably have to revisit it at some point, uh, is, uh, ingest, uh, and the processors. Ingest is fine, I guess. Yeah, I actually think it's pretty good, quite frankly, because oh. I, I mean, milling, milling is fine, but I, I'm more often better off getting it into exile because there are ways you can get stuff back from your graveyard. Yeah. So. I mean, I like it and all, but like some of the stuff I've seen on it's just kind of lackluster. And it's one at a time, and it's just so nickel and dimey. It's less using, you know, mill to kill is more of an annoyance to your opponent. Yeah, but if your opponent tries to stack the top of their deck, man, if you get an ingest at just the right time, it's like, hey, I'm glad you put that there. Now it's gone. Yep. So screw you. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I think that there's, there's a lot going on in this set, honestly. When, uh, so when we first talked about doing a show tonight, talking about, uh, uh, this sort of stuff. So about a week ago, we started talking about what we were going to do for the show. And I, I was like, eh, I think it's going to be an okay show. But then when I sat down and started to actually look at all the different themes and the different mechanics and the different threads that are tying things together, there really is a lot going on in this set. So I, I know I'm happy with it, uh, at least so far. Uh, I, I think part of that might just be that I'm happy with rotation. I felt like standard was getting pretty stale. Uh, so it's nice to see things uh, shake up at least a little bit, not completely, but a little bit uh, with the release in the new set. So, Did you know that the next set has been named? Uh, yes, yes. It's... Uh, Something, man, what, what is it called? It's Oath of the Gatewatch. That's it, Oath of the Gatewatch. I wanted to say something of the guild, so, no, that's totally, you know, Return to Ravnica, but yeah, Oath of, Oath of the Gatewatch. Have you seen, like, the tagline, and like, pic- like, it shows a picture of Nyssa, and Jace, and Gideon, and Chandra? Yes. It says, take the oath. Interesting. Yeah, it's gonna be a thing. So, so again, like, right here, are we going to see six Planeswalkers? Like, are we going to see Nyssa, Jace, and Chandra next set? Uh, well, we've already got Nyssa from... Ooh, no, we don't have a Nyssa in this set. So maybe. But then again, we have Nyssa, Jace, and Chandra already in Origins. We do. And Gideon as we well. Do. But So I'm curious, like, are we going to see these? You know, are we going to have six Planeswalkers, which is, I think, one more than they normally do? But that that brings to the sad revel- revelation that there would be no Soren. Yeah, and that's kind of weird because we we should have a Soren, right? I mean, if you think about storyline, what's going on, Soren should totally be here. Now, the thing that warms my heart, that makes me so happy, is to see Chandra there. Because I don't know if you remember the story with Chandra that uh, came out recently, but Jace actually approached Chandra to try and get her to come and help. Uh, and she ended up staying behind at, uh, God, what is the name of that place? It's not Care Keep, uh, but it's, it's the monastery that took her in, uh, when she was young and her spark first ignited. Uh, and she's staying behind to, uh, essentially take over there. Uh, Carol Keep, I believe is, is what it is. So. I think. Man, now I feel bad that I'm, I'm not, yeah, I, I think it's Carol Keep. That, that sounds right. It feels right to me. So we shall see. Yes, yeah, so I, I'm just happy to see Chandra there. I don't care if they print the rest of those planeswalkers, but I think they're going to, honestly. I think we'll, we'll probably not get a new Gideon because we just got a Gideon, so we don't need another one. Uh, but I could see, 
uh, a new Nissa, a new Jace, uh, a new Chandra. Where's the Soren? That's a re- I wish I knew. Uh, wait, he's he's again, trying they, to find Nahiri. I would I say that, I thought they gave us Soren kind of out of nowhere with Tarkir, but when you actually think about it, Soren actually fit because of Ugin. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Just saying, Soren needs to be here. Yeah, well, Soren fanboy, etc., etc. Winky face. Winky face. I forgot about the winky face. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, alright, so I'm, I'm really happy with, uh, Battle for Zendikar so far. Uh, hopefully they'll keep the, tr- the, the train rolling with Oath of the Gatewatch, which I'm not a huge fan of the name yet, but it might grow on me. It is. We'll just call it Oath, but I mean, it is, it is a mouthful. I mean, what do you call it? O-O-T-G? O-T-G, which, Sure, there's a joke in there somewhere, but anyway, you got any uh, parting thoughts about uh, battle before we put this one to bed? I hope the next manlands are better. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Otherwise, it's fine. I'd like to see more allies to see what else they're going to be able to do to see if ally decks will be viable. I think we need goblin guide. I'll just leave it there. Yeah, I don't think we're getting goblin guide. Yeah, I know we're not, but I'd, I'd like it. All right. Well, those are our uh, our initial impressions of this very young format. I mean, the set has not been out all that long. We haven't seen too much of it in action, and I certainly haven't had a chance to play with many of these cards yet. Uh, so our opinions are subject to change. And years from now, when you hear this show and you go, "Oh wow, well, those guys were idiots," yeah, well, past us were pretty dumb. Present us are awesome, but past us were pretty dumb. Uh, if you have some thoughts you want to share with us, there are a variety of ways you can do that. You can, of course, email us. We are mtgcardadvantage at gmail.com. And quite a few of you did email us after episode 100. Uh, I've been crazy busy and haven't had a chance to respond to those, but I did read them. I will be responding soon, I promise. Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter. We are at cardadvantage on Twitter. Uh, and of course we have our website which is cardadvantagecast.com. If you want to reach me directly, I am at Lockluze, spelled just like it is in the show notes. I am at Mind Mage. The A in Mage is a four. So thank you all very much for listening, and we will see you all next time. Mm-hmm.